Om Jnana Timirandhasya Jnana Shalakaya Chakshurin Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Continuing reading of Krishna's qualities. Those of you who were here earlier in the day, you heard of some of heard the some of the qualities described. This reading this is a reading from Rupa Goswami's Bhakti Rasamritasin describing the sixty-four principal qualities of Krishna. So here we are at number fifty-five. Sarava Siddhi Nishevitaha means he who is served by all mystic perfections. Rupa Goswami defines this he who controls all mystic perfections is called served by all siddhis or perfections. So these uh, siddhis, they are mystic perfections described in Shastra, described in Srimad Bhagavatam. There are Ashtamaha Siddhi, the eight great perfections, such as remembering to turn off your cell phone when you enter the temple. Uh, yeah, these are, uh, even in the material state, uh, gaining a, a massive form, gaining or becoming very, very small so one can enter into anything, becoming very light so you can fly in the sky. Well, um, Prapti, you can get whatever you want. Then you can, one can uh, experience uh, anything that one desires. One can uh, manipulate the powers, the, the energy of the material world. <coughs> or one is uh, becomes unimpeded by the three modes of nature and. One more is that one can pretty much do whatever one likes. These are the eight, eight great cities and there are other ten more. Becoming free from hunger and thirst and other bodily disturbances. Hearing and seeing things far, far away and so on. They may sound very interesting but uh, according to Bhaktiru Samrita Sindhu these eight great cities and the ten companion cities, they don't they can't even enter the door of Krishna's palace. They have no entrance into the realm of Krishna. Of course Krishna has all cities, but not exactly for it's different to the yogi who attains such cities. The mundane cities or perfections are attained by the yogis. But they, 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 these cities are not eternal attributes of the yogis. They're mundane powers. But Krishna, all potencies are his. So any material power is really, it's far, far away from Krishna. So that's another quality of Krishna. That even the greatest powers of this material world, they don't even come anywhere near Krishna. In other words, Krishna is, his power is of such a 
superlatively great quality that any power that can be even imagined in this material world can't even begin to approach the power that Krishna automatically in this material world one may attain power uh, in, with great difficulty one can attain power the yogis attain power these siddhis after performing much austerity and other kinds of power the power for a uh, just like a weightlifter to lift a heavy weight he has to practice it's difficult and that, that kind of yeah, that power is much less than that of the yogi or the power of a nation requires great coordination for a nation to become powerful to attain political power is a struggle all these powers are very insignificant in comparison to Krishna's power and Krishna doesn't have to do anything to attain these powers and in fact whatever power anyone else has is only coming from Krishna anyway. So in this way we understand how, how Krishna is so much greater than anyone. Even the great yogis, they're considered, uh, yeah, they're called siddhas, or as translated as a perfect person, because they have siddhis, mystic perfections. But they're all completely, just, just insignificant meaningless in comparison to perfection, that is Krishna. Krishna. So the next quality listed in Krishna is Abhichintya Mahashakti, inconceivable great power. This is a little different from the uh, Siddhi, the Siddhis that we're discussing. Uh, the meaning of this is described by Rupa Goswami that he has the, uh, the d- divine role in creating, maintaining and destroying the uni- universe. That means that he's not even, he doesn't exert any, there's no exertion on his part, just by his uh, wish everything comes about. There's that verse that uh, there's that verse he has so many powers from Shvetashvatra Upanishad. What is it? Parasi Shakti Vividhaiva Shruyate Swabhavaki Gyanabala Kriyancha. The Supreme Lord has manifold powers, uh, such as the power of knowledge power of action, the power of strength and all these powers they work simply work automatically according to his will so uh, Krishna in, it's an example given because in creating and maintaining and destroying the universe is Krishna's extraordinary powers which work without any exertion on his part uh, and then another example of, or another manifestation of his extraordinary power is that he can bewilder even Brahma, Brahma, Rudra, I mean Shiva, and even the great demigods. Such uh, intelligent persons, we cannot imagine how intelligent they are, Brahma, Shiva, and other demigods. <laughs> 
both materially and spiritually, the intelligence of Brahma and Shiva is beyond our comprehension. But Krishna can bewilder them very easily. And another um, manifestation of Krishna's extraordinary great powers is that he destroys the prarabdha karma of the devotee. Prarabdha karma means the uh, well, the, the prarabdha karma fall, that should be, the effects of the the, the the effects of one's previous actions which are presently being manifest. So that is a that's a big philosophical controversy in the days when there used to be philosophical controversies. Nowadays they're just controversies, that's all. <coughs> Meaningless controversies. <coughs> that uh, can bhakti, does it destroy the prarabdha karma fall or the reactions that we are presently undergoing? If it's accepted that bhakti destroys one's pre- destroys one's karmic reactions, then what about that uh, bump I got on the head this morning? I didn't get a bump on the head, I'm just using that as a theoretical example. We see that devotees continue to enjoy and suffer in this material world, even after taking to devotional service. So how can it be said that they're free from the reactions, from, that they're free from the presently manifest reactions of their previous activities. It seems that, well, we can maybe burn up previous karmic reactions, but the ones we're suffering now, you can't get rid of. Or maybe you have to suffer and enjoy what is destined for you now, and then when you die, then it's all finished. These are various theories. It doesn't seem possible to destroy the uh, prarabdha karma, father, or just prarabdha. But Krishna does so. And that's listed among his inconceivable great powers, along with his extraordinary role in creating, maintaining and destroying the universe, and bewildering great demigods including Brahma and Shiva. So this is not uh, discussed in detail here, but it's understood that devotees, they're not suffering karmic reactions even though it may appear like that. But a devotee is uh, under the shelter of Krishna, Mahatmanas Tumang Partha, Daiving Prakriti Mahashita. Great souls are under the protection of Krishna, under his internal potency, which may appear to act as the external energy. Jiva Goswami mentions in the commentary that where it's stated here, Brahma, Shiva and others, others refers also to Lord Balaram. Krishna can even bewilder Balaram as is seen in the Brahma Vibhavana Leela, the pastime of Krishna bewildering Brahma. That Brahma thought he had bewildered Krishna by stealing Krishna's cowherd boyfriends and, and calves. 
But Krishna wasn't at all bewildered and he totally bewildered Brahma. And if anyone else but Brahma, but Krishna had bewildered Brahma, then Brahma should have been thrown out of the job of being Brahma. You don't want an idiot, it's Brahma. He should be capable of doing a good job. But to be bewildered by Krishna is not a disqualification for being Brahma. So, it's not so surprising that Brahma got bewildered by Krishna because after all, Brahma is very tiny in relation to Krishna. But what about Krishna bewildering even Balaram? That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Balaram, he also didn't realize what was going on. It took him some time to work it out. So the word divya here indicates that Krishna takes the role of antaryami, the indweller or the supersoul within all the universes. But he remains uncontaminated even though he enters into everything material. So Rupa Goswami gives an example of his extraordinary role in creation of the universes. is given in his... Uh, taking the role of the Lord of innumerable, or showing himself as the Lord of innumerable Brahmas and others. In the, again, the Brahma Vimo and Alila, the pastime of bewildering Brahma. I hope you're all reading Srila Prabhupada's books regularly, otherwise it might be difficult to follow some of these topics. If we're going to discuss the qualities and character of Krishna, then we have to have some background of understanding who is Krishna. If Krishna can bewilder even Lord Brahma, then what is our position? So, uh, Krishna, who is the soul of all, he is the soul of all uh, other souls. He was, uh, he expanded from himself from, as, a, as an expansion. I mean, not, not his original Krishna form, but he expanded into Vishnu forms to take the role of the calves and the boys. The four-handed Vishnu forms which took the forms of the calves and the coward boys. And as Brahma later saw, all each one of those Vishnu forms was being served by Brahma, Shiva and all different demigods and by all the jivas of the universe presided over by each Brahma. But in other words, for each Vishnu form, there was a Brahma praising him. And along with Brahma were all the living beings in that Brahmanda, over which, that universe over which Brahma was presiding. So this is certainly astonishing. Because Krishna is, on, on one hand, he's showing his very human-like pastimes of being a cowherd boy, going out to the fields and playing with his friends, playing just like innocent boys, going home, getting bathed and dressed and fed by his mother, while simultaneously he's showing his power to Brahma as the uh, inimitable Supreme Lord. Uh, an example of his extraordinary ability to bewilder Brahma, Shiva and others is illustrated in the following verse. This, this is uh, 
Nara speaking to Indra that Brahma was bewildered by Krishna and in the battle with Krishna Shiva was put to sleep by Krishna. So Indra, you and all the demigods, who are you compared to Krishna now? So Narada spoke these words to, uh, joking words to Indra. After Indra was defeated by Krishna, uh, after Indra had attacked Krishna, Krishna stole Indra's Parijata tree. At least Indra thought it was his tree. He didn't realize that everything belongs to Krishna. He should have been very happy. Oh, Krishna is taking my tree. Good. But he thought, wait a minute, what's going on here? Who is this guy? Indra was foolish enough to attack Krishna. And inevitably Indra was defeated. And then Narad was uh, joking with Indra. You see, you know, Brahma got bewildered. Shiva got bewildered by Krishna. You've already been bewildered in the Govardhan Leela. And again you're bewildered, you see what a damn fool you are. We will offer all respect to Brahma, Shiva and Indra and uh, understand that they are completely insignificant in relation to Krishna. And if they are completely insignificant, then we are even more insignificant because we are not on the level of Brahma, Shiva or Indra. So, uh, and, and another example from the 10th canto of dis- uh, is that of destroying Prarabdha of the devotee. So, uh, the son of Sandipani Muni, suffering or, or as a result of his previous activities, was taken away. In other words, he died. But Krishna was asked by Sandipani. You bring back my dead son. So he already died. That was his re- reaction to his previous activity. But uh, Krishna, he told Yamaraj, bring him, give him back to me. So Krishna can do that. No one else can do that. How could Krishna do that? Because he's Krishna. That's all. There's nothing to be argued about. If we say that, well, how does that demonstrate that Krishna destroys the prarabdha, the, the ongoing karmic reactions of his devotees? Well, we don't have any record of uh, Muni's son being a devotee. What kind of devotee was he? Well, Krishna decided to give him the position of a devotee because of his relationship with Sandipani. So uh, this discussion goes on quite some time. That uh, Krishna, he can accomplish things which are not only very difficult, but even impossible. There's some advertisement I saw some time ago. I, I can't remember what it's for. It said the impossible, so, well, sorry, difficult, we do difficult things immediately. Impossible takes a little more time. It's a bold claim. Actually, it's a foolish claim. Boldness has some meaning if one is able to uh, live up to his word. But if one talks all big things and, and then you can't do it, then that just shows one's foolishness. So that which is impossible 
by its very definition, cannot be done by anyone in any amount of time. But Krishna can do it. Now, sometimes people ask, well, can God create something so heavy that he can't lift it? Prabhupada was asked this question. Prabhupada said, yes, then he'll lift it. <laughs> Seems to be contradictory, doesn't it? Well, maybe he couldn't lift it at that moment, but then the next moment he does. Or sometimes people ask that, well, can God make a square circle? But this is uh, not really asking for something to be done. It's just a literary, it's just a linguistic, uh, what shall we say? It's a conundrum or something like this. This is impossible, not... not not because, uh, to make a square circle is impossible, not be- because it's beyond anyone. It's impossible to do because the very definition is contradictory. There's inherent contradiction within the uh, definition. If we say God can do impossible things, it should be impossible but imaginable also. But as a square circle is not imaginable, then there's no question of making one. Because if it's square, it's not a circle. And if it's a circle, it's not square. So, uh, Krishna performs the most difficult or impossible tasks. For instance, he is unborn. But he became the son of Nanda Maharaj. That's the mystery of Janmashtami. He's unborn, but he takes birth. Kechid Ahur Ahunjatam. What is that? Kunti Devi's prayer. Panyushroka Sukhyatiya. She says it is astonishing that even though he's unborn, he takes birth. Some say that the unborn has taken birth to glorify the kings of the Yadudin dynasty. So, uh, another impossibility that Krishna does. He's, he's all-pervading, but you can see, he's there, he's, on the, he's held in the lap by Yashoda, and he has unlimited forms, but actually he's only one form. So these apparent contradictions are possible in Krishna only. but he's only one form that is uh, apparent in Dwaraka, his Dwaraka Lila. He expands himself in 16,108 forms in 16,180 palaces of 16,108 queens. But then when he comes out and goes to the uh, Sudharma assembly hall, he meets the noble men of the Yadu dynasty then all the 16,108 forms become one form. Not exactly become one form, because all those forms are one form. This is not possible to understand by mundane logic. It's not even possible to understand by transcendental logic. It's just a transcendental fact beyond the imagination of anyone. Therefore it's called achintya, inconceivable. 